everybody. Welcome back. Welcome, welcome. This is Serial from the Box, um, the podcast where we talk about recovery, eating well, enjoying life, and so much more. My name is Gianna. And I'm Marie. And Marie, tell me about your week. How's it been? What's new? You know, it's been busy pretty good. Do you want to hear a recovery win for the week? Oh, yeah. Always. Okay. So, I would say in the, I don't know, like, past three or four years since, you know, embarking on this recovery journey, I would say donuts are a food I've only had a handful of times. Mm -hmm. And I distinctly remember each occasion. Um... And I got donuts this weekend with one of our friends, Ooh. and they're very delicious Yay. and came guilt-free. So that's definitely a win, and I'm kind of riding that high that's for the, so <laughs> the rest of the week. I'm happy for you. I love donuts. Where did you go? Thank you. Um, so we went to this um, donut shop in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. It's called Cloudy Donut or Donuts Co. Um, it's a black-owned business, mm-hmm. and... They're super cool and have the most, like, delicious flavors, and the donuts are, like, very pillowy, hence the name. So, yeah, it is very, very good. I found it via TikTok. Love that. (laughs) I've been doing that, too, like, looking at places I want to go on TikTok, and then I'm like, I'm not rich. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) Yeah. But $8 donuts, they're worth it. (laughs) $8? For two. Oh, okay. I was like... Yeah, no, not each. Oh, oh my geez. god. <laughs> nope, that's too much. Okay, good, but yeah. Good, good. How about your weekend? I know you did something very exciting that I want to hear about. Yeah, so we'll start with the not exciting part. So I like okay. worked on Saturday and then I really wanted Chick fil A. So the only Chick fil A that there was in Long Island near like where my boyfriend lives was at the freaking mall. So it was, like, so scary. Like, we oh, didn't know no. it was the mall. So I was, like, so anxious was it the crowded? whole time. It was a little bit crowded in the food court. And I was like, why? Are, mm. Can you guys go to other places, please? Um, oh, my God. But it was fine. And the food was fine. And then um, I took my grandpa to a children's rock concert on Sunday. Wonderful. But he fell asleep during it, which was kind of cute. But also, like, how do you fall asleep during a rock concert? <laughs> I don't know. A talent. And then today, so I participated in this thing called Drag Out the Vote, which is like mm-hmm. encouraging LGBTQ people to register to vote and to actually vote. And I didn't get to meet any drag queens, unfortunately, but like <gasps> there was like, it's going to be on this online platform. So I'll give you guys details um, when I know them on how to watch mm-hmm. it. It is released on my birthday, October 18th, in case anyone wants to know um but it's like it's gonna be with like the famous drag queens and broadway superstar singers like who are gonna be lip-synced by the drag queens yeah i am super jealous but also really sad that you didn't meet any drag queens yeah i know i really thought i was gonna meet them but then i didn't but like i met some really nice people and like It was, like, kind of Bollywood style, so Mm -hmm. I've never done that before, and that was fun, and it was just, like, it didn't feel like, it felt like long day of shooting, but it was only, like, two and a half hours, Mm -hmm. so I was just so tired, and, like, I left the house so early that I wasn't as hungry when I left, but then I regretted it as soon as I got to the the city. I was like, I'm so freaking hungry Right, right. So, like, I went to Starbucks immediately afterwards, and I was like... Mm -hmm. I am hungry. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. But I mean... And that was my day. Yeah. That's cool. That's like a fun thing to be a part of. It's also like obviously super important. Yeah, for sure. With like the political climate. Yeah. And even like elderly, like conservative looking people, they're like, what are you doing? And we're like, we're encouraging people to vote. And they were like, good job. Good job. I was like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) <laughs> that's so funny can't believe yeah it. okay well cool how fun that was like let's so segue let's <laughs> hop right into it everybody our topic of the week is drum roll 
point theory. <laughs> Yippee! Right. As the professional. Professional. Absolutely not. As the <laughs> almost professional. <laughs> what is that point theory? Okay. So this is how I'm going to define it. Um, based off of some quick research as a refresher, and then obviously what I've learned through my own experience. So I would say it's an individualized weight range, range being the keyword, in which our bodies operate the most optimally optimally and are the happiest. Um, So essentially, kind of what I mean by that is that each person's set point, in quotes, is largely determined based off of genetics so it's going to be individual from person to person there is no one ideal weight or weight range for all of society right Mm -hmm. so it's going to vary person to person and i think what's like really important to remember with it too is that when we're sitting within the range in which our set point is um our bodies like internally in their processes and everything that it does on a physiological level is operating the most optimally Mm -hmm. at that weight. And when we, you know, dip below the lowest end of that range, our bodies work really hard to kind of fight against going outside of that range. Um, So that's where we kind of see like, the metabolism starting to slow down and the increase of hunger cues or maybe like a reduction in fullness cues because your body wants to be within that range because otherwise it can't do what it needs to do mm-hmm. um, in order to keep you healthy and alive, right? So what else do I have kind of in my notes about that? I feel like, oh, Okay, so the big, like, scary thing about set point, right, is that it can change throughout the lifespan. And I feel like when I... That's spoopy. <laughs> when I heard this, right, I was like, absolutely not. You know what I mean? Because, <laughs> like, I feel like we are so conditioned that, like, the body we had as, like, an adolescent... Mm-hmm. like our 16 15 year old body whatever should be the body we have throughout the rest of our life right yeah which is obviously like not it makes no sense it doesn't make sense because people have babies people age just in general and things like that but i think like this idea that you know right like you're on your journey to recovering from an eating disorder Mm -hmm. And let's say a part of that journey is probably that you have to gain weight, Mm -hmm. right? To have to reconcile first with the fact that you are going to have to get up to this set point, this natural weight that your body wants to be at, right? Yeah. And then from there you learn, okay, but then that might change later in life and your set point might increase later in life. So it's like a whole kind of like continual process of having to like reconcile that your body's not going to stay the same throughout all of your life and you can't control it to fit into the one number that makes you happy yeah even not even just a number like the shape of your body does change Mm -hmm. like it just like you get different shapes as you have different things happen to you yeah yeah and I'm I mean there's plenty of things that can obviously change about your appearance with age but then also like culturally we're told like especially as women yeah. Um, that like you can't age. Mm-hmm. Aging's bad. You need a skincare routine. You need all this. You know what I mean? Ugh, I can't even wash my face. Like, my body soap, and I'm like, I don't. I don't do it either. That ain't my priority. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I just think it's it's kind of hard to reconcile with that. And I think a question like a lot of people have, because especially if you start with treatment, right, Mm -hmm. you're going to be told that you need to reach a a quote unquote safe weight, right? Right. So, you know, for people that might need to gain weight, there's a certain number that you might need to reach. Or Mm -hmm. for people 
who don't who are like in larger bodies or whatever so then treatment has something to say about that um you know maybe like them going below a certain weight could be an issue mm-hmm. or whatever right yeah so kind of with that i think the question is like what is my set point how do i know if i'm at my set point how do i know if i'm within this range because usually and i mean okay i guess i'll speak for myself the mentality is once you get to that set point you don't want to gain any more weight you know what i mean right right um which is like not realistic to kind of put that pressure on yourself but i Mm -hmm. was like really fearful especially when i was in treatment that i was gonna gain more than the safe weight that they had said so figuring out where your set point is because you know more often than you're not you're worried about going over that set point and quote-unquote overshooting right it's hard to determine how do I know if I'm there and I think what most people would say is like your set point is the place where you don't need to be controlling your food or your exercise or any of those things you can more or less just be intuitive and you'll Mm -hmm. stay and maintain within that um that range you know right Mm -hmm. so interesting yeah I think the the genetic part of it is like the part that always kind of I wasn't sure about because I don't look like either of my parents Mm -hmm. at all Mm -hmm. and my mom um had to like so after me and my sister were breastfeeding she had to get her boobs like reattached to her body because we were so close in age that we like destroyed her boobs oh no and it was like painful for her to like even touch them so she just mm-hmm. got new ones <laughs> i don't know if i can nice. ask her but um well, you just did i just did sorry <laughs> sorry claudia i love you um but um so i don't know what like genetically like i don't look like anybody in my family Mm-hmm. Like, even, like, my body structure, like, nobody. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just interesting. And, like, also no one in my family was, like, athletic. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, I don't know. Like, if I stopped being athletic, would I look like my parents? Like, who mm-hmm. knows? Right. Yeah, I definitely feel like there's, like, a lot of uncertainty with it. And I think, too, you just reminded me of something. I think, like, one of the fears that... I had that kind of took me a while to process right is because like both of my parents tried very hard for most of their adult life in order to like correct their weight so yeah. to speak right mm-hmm. so definitely like engaging on um like yo-yo diets and, and things like that yeah. right yeah. and there's <laughs> you've seen the breakfast club right mm-hmm. there's like this quote from the breakfast club where Oh, God, I don't know any of the characters' names. The, like, pretty girl, right? Princess Claire. Sure. Okay, her, she was being talked to by, like, the bad boy. Yeah. Right? I don't know his name. I don't know any of their names. I clearly have only watched this, like, once. Call him Johnny. Sure. But, um, yeah, so he was talking to her and I think was, like, trying to, like, tease her and, like, get in her head or whatever, right? But she said, he said something to the extent of, like, you're going to be one of those girls that just, like, balloons when they get older, <laughs> right? And that hardcore stuck with me so hard for some reason. Um, and I think, like, part of that is because, like, when my dad was younger, mm-hmm. um, he was a lot like my brothers, and you know what my brothers look like, yeah, but very like athletic, very holes. slim. Yeah. And um, obviously now as an adult, his, you know, physique is not the same mm-hmm. and, you know, he's overweight, whatever. And I think like in that moment, what resonated with me was like, oh, my God, I'm going to be like my dad kind of thing. So mm-hmm. I felt like I was like genetically determined, <laughs> predetermined that like I was going to quote unquote be one of those people that he was like teasing her about in the movie you know what I mean Mm -hmm. um so I think like this idea of like set point and especially the fact that it can be like a moving target as you age I was like 
holy shit, no, thank you. This brings me absolutely no comfort knowing that, like, my body wants to be in this range or whatever. Like, yeah, I disagree. <laughs> I don't think it should be there. But, like, I don't have any authority to yeah, to say that, really. Um, so I can empathize that I feel like it's hard for a lot of people to kind yeah. of embrace what their natural shape or weight looks like especially when we you know attach that so much to our worth especially if we you know aren't genetically born into a body that fits the thin ideal yeah right and even like like even going through like puberty and stuff like even that will, like, change your body and then, like, leaving home and, and having different food options changes your body. Mm-hmm. So there's just, like, so many things that are, like, your body will, you know, the foods that you want to eat and stuff that may change your body. Like, that's just part of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I to, like, even make it, like, more political, like, people's access to food yeah. might differ throughout life and things like that. And so that's, I mean... I'm also thinking of, like, the poor college stereotype where you just, like, eat ramen all the time. You know what I mean? Like, honestly, though, like, when I was eating the most intuitively, like, when I first started, um, like, really intuitive eating, I ate an alternating schedule of ramen, canned soup, and pasta. Brilliant. Every night. (laughs) I love that for For, you. For, like, four months. Yeah. And I was, like, doing great. I felt great. I was, like, had so Amazing. much energy. I was, yeah. like, whoop, whoop. I mean, I was putting, like, mushrooms in it because, like, nutrition, but. Delish. Gotta balance that. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I don't know. Like, I think, too, like, if, like, your access to food or what you choose to eat, right, no matter what's, like, controlling that, um, intuitively or not it's all like reflective of the time in your life that you're going through so like you know even if you're like really like depressed or whatever um and if that changes your appetite or has a reflection on your appetite and therefore your weight or you know anxiety doing similar things whatever it could be a medical condition your socioeconomic status or your you know financial situation or whatever like all those things can kind of impact your time in your life and could more or less impact where you're sitting at with either within that um set point range or outside that set point range and I feel like there should be a lot more kindness and compassion towards yourself no matter what that kind of outcome is because you're just trying to get through that time in your life yeah of course of course I mean, I think it's, like, what a lot of people are saying, like, about corona right now, too, because, like, there's a lot of, um, what's the word? Like, fear-mongering around, like, quarantine and getting weight in quarantine and whatever, whatever. But it's, like, we're all just trying to make it through a pandemic right now. People are so annoying. (laughs) I'm, like, just get over it. Like, yeah, like, you're gonna gain some weight if, like, you're super stressed and you're just, like, sitting around your house and that's a choice that you made and that's what your body's going to do. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's like if you're like making the choice to like take that time for yourself, like mm-hmm. you don't have the energy, it's okay. You're going to gain some weight and it shouldn't be a surprise to you and you shouldn't be afraid of it. Mm-hmm. And it like doesn't really, I mean, I think too, something that we could like normalize or like maybe I need to normalize more is like weight fluctuations that don't make sense. Or lack thereof. Yeah. You know what I mean? I feel like sometimes, or maybe, like, more so in the past, less recently, but sometimes, like, I've just been so in my head about, like, oh, I know how I've been eating or how little I've been exercising or how much I've been exercising, whatever. Um, And all that makes me think, well, oh, X, Y, and Z should be happening to my body. Um, And then I fall into the trap of weighing myself. And then I'm... I know. Um... And then I feel like more often than not, sometimes I'm also surprised too. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like sometimes they either overhype things or underhype things or whatever. So it's like, I don't know, maybe just like 
taking a step back just in general from like that certain behaviors or eating patterns or whatever are going to be indicative of any kind of weight change that your body's just going to do what it needs to do and whatever the consequences of that are are the consequences but they don't have to be good or bad and they don't have to be weight gain or not weight gain Mm -hmm, yeah I feel like that happens to me at least every single month right before I go on my period. I conveniently forget that mm-hmm. I'm going to be on my period. I'm like, what? <laughs> I feel what dis- is this? disgusting. <laughs> like, I just look at myself. I'm like, how could this be? My body. Why is it like this? I'm so gross. And then I have to, like, fight off my thoughts. I'm like, yeah. And then I have my period. And then I'm like, yeah. I'm fine now. <laughs> like every yeah. week. I mean, it's a well, new story. I feel like that's like a testament to how impermanent all of this is. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah, you got your period every month. It's a natural weight fluct. Most people's weight fluctuate on their period. Appetites change, cravings change, things like that, right? Yeah. For majority of people. And you go through the week with some fluctuations that you may not even know about. Mm-hmm. and then the next you know then you do it all over again the next month and it happens month to month and you're yeah. fine yeah ultimately like, right it's just like for me i don't know why i get so surprised every time <laughs> like every time i'm like how could i do this <laughs> well Gianna, i don't know if you checked their gyno recently but you I are did. a woman I did. <laughs> as, as I told you, you know, I got my pelvic ultrasound. I'm all clear. Woo! Nothing to be seen in there. <laughs> Amazing. Incredible. So, yeah. I guess maybe... Shall we dive in deeper into yeah. this idea of fat phobia <laughs> in treatment? Sure. I mean, I did not experience that, but I can hype you up. Amazing. Well, I mean, I guess, too, like, if you're curious about anything or if you kind of just, I mean, fat phobia is prevalent anywhere. So it's not like you haven't experienced ramifications. I've experienced normal body phobia. Yeah. Sorry, that was Frank. Attempt to call him later. Oh, I was like, "Where's your screen froze?" Freeze. Sorry, I'll edit this. That's fine. All right, so fat phobia. Yeah. So I guess like the reason, partly why I was thinking about this. Um, is because one of the friends that I went to treatment with, she, um, made a really awesome post on Instagram, kind of about how fat phobia is, like, ingrained within Do you want to give her a facilities. shout Yeah. Um, l- let me double check her Instagram, just to give it correctly. Do you know my dad texted me and he's like, what? You are ignoring me. He's so sad. I love him. Okay. Oh, wait, it's fine. He says no problemo. Good. I'm glad he's learning Spanish for you. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) It's been 26 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so her Instagram account is at Lucy underscore shedding underscore layers. Oh, that's Lucy with an IE, correct? Correct. Um, I would definitely recommend checking out her page. She shares a lot of really great content. Um, and she recently did this post f- focused around the fat phobia stuff. So I just wanted to come on, on some of it because I feel like it falls pretty well into this idea of like set point because that's kind of more or less where I first learned about what set point even is, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think like their idea of like bringing it up is like one to kind of like normalize where your body's supposed to be at because like a lot of people have either like body dysmorphia or in general like literally 
diagnostic criteria mm-hmm. for anorexia is like a fear of weight gain and things like that. So I think their idea is just to kind of counteract some of what we believe about where our body should be and, you know, why we use the behaviors that we do or whatnot. Um, so they kind of explain more or less like the set point theory or whatnot. And then also they determine like a safe weight for you, which I mentioned earlier. And I mean, like they do this a variety of ways. For me, they use my growth charts because I had it in my medical record. Um, And I remember it sent me into like a big frenzy because I was (laughs) like, this is not right because this like spike here means that, you know, my chart is skewed because you're just taking like a, a normative line like through a scatter plot kind of thing you're um, such a science person i you know i took a stat class once <laughs> um but i don't know it had me super like frustrated or whatever right because i mean the whole bottom line thing it was like the eating disorder thinking and me being like well, I think if I have to gain weight, then it should be up until this point because mm-hmm. this is where my body was before I started engaging in behaviors. So therefore, that's where I should return to. But that's also where I was when I was like 16. So does that make sense as right. at the time someone who is now 18? Which I mean, mm-hmm. like, is not a huge difference in years, but also like entering adulthood and whatnot mm-hmm. will change some of that stuff. Yeah. Um And it really wasn't that far off than the number that I had. But the extra pounds was, like, a huge deal to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, like, having this safe weight, while it's medically in terms of, like, the idea of stabilization or whatever and ensuring that someone's getting closer to their set point. Because, like, I mean... no nutritionist and no doctor is going to be able to tell you what your set point is just like how you don't know what your set point is until you can take an estimate based off of a maintenance of a certain weight without using behaviors right Mm -hmm. um so they're doing the best of what they can with the tools and information they have but it's still not going to be exactly right so in some ways it is slightly arbitrary right and you can't Mm -hmm. know for sure that that's going to be the weight that you should either you know that you should be at to be the most functionally optimal or, you know, to decrease whatever, like, physical symptoms you might have, whatever. Um, But they kind of, I think it's really easy for it to kind of turn into an obsession around your safe weight, right? Because you're getting weighed every single day. Mm. Um, And they thought, they thought they could trick us by putting the scale in kilograms i learned how to convert that (laughs) why were you not why would why would why why did they make you look at it so the thing was i don't know why they just didn't have everyone as like doing back to scale uh just in general but the standard was you would step on the scale you can see it and it would weigh you in kilograms so obviously obviously at some point i figured out (laughs) <laughs> what kg stood for and then how to convert that to pounds <laughs> um but yeah th- a lot of people at some point will be like just can i want to do back to scale because the whole weighing yourself gets so anxiety provoking and you have to do it every single day yeah you know what i mean not recommended um so i feel like they're the, like, impending doom of getting closer and closer to this, like, safe weight that they've predetermined for you, right? Mm-hmm. It just comes up with, like, a lot of things, right? Um, and I think the, like, I guess, like, kind of like I was saying, the big fear is that you're going to overshoot right. that safe weight because they mm-hmm. told you, nope, you just have to only weigh this much or whatever. And that's it. Obviously, they tell you you can go past that, but no one wants to go past that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of fear with overshooting your set point or your safe weight. I did air quotes for both. <laughs> um, and lo and behold, what did I do? <laughs> Overshot my safe weight or whatever. 
on, well, yeah. I was going to say on multiple occasions, but that's not, I don't know if that's true. I can't remember. But, <laughs> yeah, so I did overshoot it. Um, and I feel like that was, like, the biggest exposure that I've ever had to deal with right when it comes to like eating disorder stuff like yeah you can have exposure like food exposures um mm -hmm. challenge yourself to have a fear of food and all that jazz but like when my biggest fear at the time was gaining weight and quote-unquote being fat internalized fat phobia check um <laughs> <laughs> that and then I had to live in a body that was bigger than the one that I was told I needed to have it was like holy shit how did I fuck this up so bad you know what I mean like there's a lot of like yeah. guilt and like self-blame for that and I mean obviously it was like kind of uncomfortable so it's just like a whole a whole thing and then having to tolerate that over the course of many years right yeah um I don't know. Like, I guess, like, over time, like, it did become a bit more desensitized to that. Um, but it's still hard when in the back of your head you feel like, no, my set point can't be this new mm -hmm. weight range that I'm at. It has to be that old one where they said my safe weight was. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I feel like I had, like, kind of an opposite experience as you because... Yeah when I was like most engaged in disordered eating behavior, mm -hmm. I was actually, most of it, I was in a bigger body, like in a larger body yeah. than I am now eating intuitively. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's kind of like, I'm not really sure like if I wasn't active, if that would be the same story. Well, but yeah, I guess, I mean, I don't know. I think it's interesting that you bring it up because it makes me think of two things, right? Um, one, I want to like, well, I guess three. I want to clarify that <laughs> even though like all the, a lot of restrictive behaviors were occurring when I was at a lower weight, right, mm -hmm. than below my set point or whatever, I probably engaged in the most disordered eating when I was at these higher weights, right? Like, that was kind of the problem is that I overshot it because I was binging a lot, right? Yeah. Um, Same. Which is why also there was all that, like, self-blame associated with it because it's like, yeah. here I am with a restrictive eating disorder that changes. I mean, it was still restrictive more or less in its core, and maybe we can talk about mm -hmm. that a different day. But I switched to all this binging, Um didn't you have, like, an evil therapist or something? No. But oh, I'll get to her. <laughs> She's not evil, but I'll get to what she said. Um, but, yeah, I mean, arguably the most disordered stuff was going on while I was at that higher weight. So, this therapist, right? So, definitely not evil. And I've ha I had her for a very long time, and I loved her a lot. Mm-hmm. But she used to kind of use this rhetoric with me that, like, played into, like, the whole set point thing. And it's not that yeah. she was wrong. It's just, like, it. it's not helpful to, like, bargain with an eating disorder, right? Right. So how, what she would basically kind of say is that if you stop restricting your food, that will cause you to stop binging. And if you stop binging, then you will lose weight. Right? So it's like this whole like little chain of events, right? That was basically designed to be like, hey, you know, if you don't engage in any of your behaviors, because at the time when I was binging the most, I was like, binging's the bad one. I need to not yeah. do that. But everything else is like, fine. It's okay. <laughs> um, wrong, but... Um, so the idea was like, if I can get rid of those behaviors, then my, I wouldn't be maintaining this overshoot weight or continuing to gain weight or whatever the situation was. Right. And then mm -hmm. I could ideally go back down to my set point because the idea is that I should be able to maintain my set point without mm -hmm. engaging in any behaviors. 
Um, so while this like scientifically makes sense, I feel like what I heard in my head was, so you're using behaviors and therefore it's your fault that you weigh more than you're supposed to. Yeah. That's, you know? That sounds not fun. Yeah. So like, was that definitely like an eating disorder interpretation of the whole thing? Yes. But I also like to bring it back to the point of fat phobia, I feel like problem is that like we're I feel like even like treatment teams and and different facilities and like therapists and other providers are like they don't it's like kind of rooted in fat phobia because they don't want you as someone with an eating disorder Mm -hmm. to like believe that you could be fat and I'm sure that's even more problematic for (laughs) sorry I I don't get it Sorry, let me rephrase. I mean, I feel like treatment providers are still influenced by fat phobia. And you as their client, they want to kind of like cushion that fear that you could become fat. Right? Or, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? They like, it's, I don't know how to further explain that. No, I got it. I got it. Okay. But, I mean, like, I can't imagine what that would be like either for, like, people in larger bodies, right? Yeah. Like, could you imagine them being told, well, like, if you just stop binging, then, like, your weight will go down or whatever. And you're I like, feel like I it... don't binge. I just um, exist. Sorry. Well, I mean, it could be for whatever that person's, like, symptoms is. Like, let's say even that they are strongly with binge eating, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, like I had, I was in a group, a support group, um, related to binge eating, right? And, you know, like, there was one guy there who I think had diabetes or something like that, struggled with binge eating, um, and he worked with my nutritionist, right? Mm-hmm. And um, he was on like a very specific kind of meal plan in order to kind of help with his weight or whatever, but also at the same time help with his binging, which is very different from the approach that she used with me. So I was like, huh, this doesn't make sense. But also like he had diabetes that he needed to manage. So there's just like an additional layer to that. Mm -hmm. But it's like, I can't imagine like him being told like, you need to just stop binging and then your diabetes would be cured or like you would be you would lose all this weight or whatever like okay we don't know what his body is supposed to be at more or less i mean obviously a weight in which he could reverse his diabetes because i'm pretty sure it was like type 2 not type 1 oh man that could be something more functional for his body perhaps Mm -hmm. but it's like who's really to say what that is and what that's not and also I feel like the same for him once he started like he would be so proud of himself when he could go you know however length of time of like eating very structuredly very normally balanced throughout the day and not binging and then as soon as he you know fell back into a bad kind of a bad cycle then he really got on himself for binging like the guilt was really present mm-hmm. there was a lot of shaming of himself a lot of judgment things like that so it's like to say to a person, well, if you just stopped using your behavior, you would be close to the weight yeah. that you want. Like, that's kind of it's not that fucked. Easy. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. It's definitely not that easy. And But, like, that's why I didn't like that she was using that as a, like, way to convince me to, like, give up my behaviors. Was, like, weight motivated. Like, yeah, and also, like, I feel like a meal plan doesn't encourage you to be able to eat intuitively. You know what I mean? Like, for some people, it might be helpful, but I feel like for me, like, then you're like, does this fit in my meal plan? Is this in my meal plan? Like, all the time, like, just thinking about food, which I feel like would encourage binging. Yeah, it can definitely, like, be that same obsessive pattern, like, over and over again. Um, And I think, like, the intuitive eating research, too, has played into the fat phobia a little bit, at least, like, initially. Mm -hmm. Um, Because the way... I don't want to say marketed, but, like, it's a book. Originally, yeah. Yeah, it's a book and in the book. The first edition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. Like, they... 
I don't want to say they sold because that feels bad, but they wrote a book, and in the book, they said that based off of research, intuitive eating is associated with lower BMIs. Mm-hmm. And then also in the same breath, they said, well, dieting leads to weight gain, right? Mm-hmm. Which I mean, like, there's a lot more nuanced ways that you can break down that whole dichotomy, but it feels mm-hmm. as someone, you know, reading it, that it's like, well, intuitive eating is the better way to quote unquote lose weight, or it could make you, help you lose weight or get a lower BMI, mm-hmm. right? But it's like yeah. people that intuitively eat when they're when they have a larger body, they're going to stay in their larger body for the most part, yeah. right? Because that's where their set point is and where they need to be at. So mm-hmm. I think, I mean, I think you told me, right, that they took that out. Yeah, there's like a revised edition or whatever. And now they're like, the authors are super um, like health at every size mm-hmm. and like uh, not fat phobic anymore. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, I don't know. It's just, like, kind of interesting that even all these, like, things that are supposed to be helpful in terms of recovery, right? Like, getting treatment, adopting an intuitive eating kind of approach or whatever, like, all those things, fat phobia can kind of still trickle down. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess, like, another thing that I was thinking about, too, is, like, for people that maybe don't use treatment, right, to recover. Like, we were kind of talking about last episode where we are talking about, like, going all in or using, like, the mini-mod kind of diet where you're supposed to eat the certain number of calories without any restrictions and full permission, whatever, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, mentally, like, that can be really helpful and freeing. But I think part of the idea with it is that you'll probably overshoot your weight initially in order to help your body recover all these like processes. And then your weight will slowly go back down to its set point where it can function Mm -hmm. most optimally. And in a lot of ways, like this scientifically makes sense. If you kind of look at like the research, like um, Stephanie Buttermore, like really well documented. You can look her up on YouTube and Instagram. She really well documented her process and the scientific Mm -hmm. reasons behind it. But at the same time, like, she even talks about how she feels that there's a pressure now to, to, like, be kind of the perfect example of how this whole scientific process, physiological Mm -hmm. process works. And the fact that you have to, that you will lose your overshoot, like, that's a guaranteed fact. I feel like that can put a lot of pressure on people. You know what I mean? To, like, even assume that your set point is going to be lower than the weight that you overshot to. And I think it depends, like, also how old you are. Mm-hmm. Um, like, when you go through this, like, for example, um, because I did, I danced so much yeah. in high school, like, I got my period, but I didn't really go through puberty. Like, I, mm. like, I never really got boobs or, or hips or whatever. Mm-hmm. So after, like, my recovery period where I, I did overshoot a set point that, like, my body might have had, I went through puberty again. Mm. Like, my body, like, grew boobs and, uh, but, and <laughs> yeah. like, kind of filled out differently. Yeah. Even though my numerical weight is similar to when I was younger, mm-hmm. like, uh, on a growth chart, it would be, like, the same. It looks very different. Mm-hmm. What was that process like for you? Like, mentally it and emotionally? It was weird. It was so <laughs> weird because, like... I was literally, and, like, I always got teased for this, like, in a loving way, I hope, Mm -hmm. um, by, like, friends in high school and stuff, like, oh, my little mosquito bite, like, boobies. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, I have, like, a nice handful. (laughs) And not gonna lie, I'm pretty happy with it. Um, But while it was happening, it was a very quick process of, like, of, like, you know when you're, like, like, a preteen and you have, like, your little, like, chonky face, mm-hmm. you know, like, I don't know if everyone went through it, but, like, I, yeah. I definitely did. I don't know. And, like, no idea. But, like, I went through it again. Yeah. You know, like, you gain a little extra mm-hmm. weight, and, like, it was just, like, my body being, like, okay, now you can be a woman because you're eating enough food, mm-hmm. like, thankfully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, 
Yeah, I feel like that's rarely even considered because... It happened to my sister also. That's really interesting. Because, I mean, like, for me, obviously, like, I just gained weight. So, like, I'm less aware. I, I have trouble sorting out, too, what's, like, me just being, like, insecure about certain parts and being, like, that's too big, that's whatever, whatever. Um, but it's interesting to hear about because I feel like so many times, like, this, like, issue of comparison comes up where I see all these people that I either went to treatment with or, you know, just random people on the internet talking about their journeys. And I feel like they, they're, especially if they post like any kind of before, after, during, whatever pictures, Mm -hmm. I feel like they end up looking how I wish I could look, you know what I mean? Or there's no difference between when, you know, between going into eating disorder behaviors Um, and coming out of it so I feel like this idea of like changing shape in any way other than in a way that's not associated with weight gain right yeah and even I think the only reason I'm so aware of it is because I did spend that whole time of like disordered eating to overshooting Mm -hmm. to like body regulating set point looking at myself in a mirror for four hours Mm -hmm. a day yeah in a leotard mm-hmm. like I know what my body looks right. like unfortunately right. <laughs> I'm like very aware yeah I mean do you think if you had the option to not do that would that have been more mentally beneficial for you you know what I feel like yes because my dancing and like even my self-image or whatever mm-hmm. during corona when I wasn't teaching in a studio I was just teaching from my mm-hmm. house with like we don't have a mirror in our entryway. Yeah. And that's where I was teaching all my classes. So I wasn't watching myself. I wasn't I was wearing like baggy clothes. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I improved in my mental health in terms of body. I cannot speak for my corona <laughs> mental state. Yeah. But like my relationship to my body and my ability dancing improved so much because I wasn't looking at mm-hmm. myself. I wasn't watching my body. Mm-hmm. I was like just like feeling it yeah and it feels comfortable yeah especially in baggy clothes (laughs) (laughs) true I feel like that's you know in my youth I wish I could have been a dancer I was not but I I feel like you could still do it like guys Marie literally you put on Florence and the Machine and she (laughs) is like improvising like a postmodern genus like, I promise you. Like, <laughs> if you, like, took a dance class right now, they'd be like, oh, you danced when you were a kid, and you'd have been like, <laughs> yep. Um, throwback to when I saw you in New York, and I was just, like, goofing around with uh, Nikki in your dance studio, and your dance teacher comes up to us and goes, are you guys dancers? And I was like, no, not even close. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my boss, what a woman. What a yeah. woman. Um, no, but I always wanted to have that... Uh, baggy clothes uh dancer aesthetic so i feel like (laughs) you have to buy all adidas yeah like head to toe adidas Uh and that's it that's all you need in one color like all red red's not my color okay blue (laughs) all blue fair enough um wow we really sidetrack so much but that's okay (laughs) um (laughs) Do you feel like there's anything else you want to add? Or shall we possibly provide some pointers or considerations for how to kind of deal with that whole weight gain process? I think it's it's pointer time. Amazing. Time for pointers. Let's go. Okay. So the question I have literally written down here. How can we reconcile... The weight, the weight, not the way, the weight, our body needs to be at this point in time is okay. So obviously, the first thing I wrote down is dismantle fat phobia. <laughs> A truly <laughs> big task, I would have to say. But yeah, for sure. <laughs> recommendations for that. Follow body, t- body positivity accounts for sure. Um, and follow people that reflect your current body size. Which I think are both things I think, we said recently. Yeah. 
Uh, something else, yeah. and, like, this is something that I still have to work on, and, like, I think teaching a diverse group of students has really helped mm-hmm. me with is, like, recognize when you are being fatphobic mm-hmm. and stop your thoughts. Mm, yeah, for sure. Like, because, like, it's so internalized, especially, like, as, like, an athlete and a dancer and, like, someone in the entertainment industry, mm-hmm. like, I have to keep checking myself, being, like, no, you don't believe that. That's just something that people told yeah. you. And I think it's super okay to kind of, like, have these, like, implicit biases or these, like, impulsive thoughts. Even, like, you know, you pass someone on the street, right? And you have, like, an impulsive mm-hmm. impulsive thought or, like, an implicit bias to how they look, right? If you can mm-hmm. at least catch yourself, though, and be like, why am I comparing myself to that person? Or why do I think a certain exactly. way about how they're dressed or something like that? Catch yourself in that moment and be like, hold up, wait, that's not fair of me. Or that's not fair to assume. Or where does this come from? Why do I believe this? Yeah. And then blame the system and the society we live in. <laughs> uh, yeah. And realize that, like, I mean, to explicitly reiterate, like, fat phobia is a form of oppression, right? Yeah. And it comes with a lot of discrimination. Down with the patriarchy. Right. They fucked it all up. So the point is, I feel like the more you can even just research on that. Yeah. Can hopefully make you feel more empowered um, to kind of fight against that. Right. And the Mm -hmm. continuation of that. Gianna, do you have another tip? Um... I think just remember, like, so basically this is, like, something that from this podcast that I sometimes listen to called Food Psych, Mm -hmm. that one of the messages that is, like, brought up a lot is that um, diet culture and the concept of, like, thinness is just another way that the patriarchy tries to hold women Mm -hmm. down. Because when you're not eating enough, when you're concerned about how your body looks all the time, and how, like, you want to fit into this cultural beauty standard, mm-hmm. you're not thinking of ways to bring down the patriarchy. So your brain is not fully functioning. <laughs> so the only way that we can truly dismantle the system mm-hmm. is by feeding our bodies enough, and it's just, like, whatever you look like, it's gonna what you're going to look yeah. like, and your physical image shouldn't be valued as much as your brain cells mm-hmm. working. Yeah, amen to that. <laughs> it's like, have you seen? I'm so sorry. No, I love it. Have you seen that? Um, that like post? It goes around every once in a while, and I see it, and I go, "Aha, that one." And it's like, um, every it, it's like some person saying, like, every time I have a negative thought about my body, I think about who profits off of this. So like the whole Ooh. idea of being like diet culture as an industry 110% profits off of us feeling bad about ourselves and the patriarchy 110% benefits from us feeling bad about Mm -hmm. ourselves so how do we not contribute to that because that doesn't need to still happen no another thing that we can do um, I think you were kind of talking about this earlier with your body checking in the mirror or whatnot and I was talking about it earlier when I talked about how weighing yourself on the daily is kind of triggering um so high recommendations especially if you're you know embarking on this journey in your own home Mm -hmm. um for whatever reason that might be to not weigh yourself and decrease body checking as much as possible Throughout your scale. And when you go to the doctor, you don't have to you don't have to look at the doctor and they don't even have to weigh you. Just putting yes, it out there. Yes, please advocate for yourself. It's really difficult the first time that you're like, actually, can I not be weighed? But you can ask to not be weighed. You can ask to do um, back to scale so that you can stand backwards and not have to look at the scale. Um, mm-hmm. You can ask for them to not share the number with you and just like stare at the wall, which I sometimes do. Or you could do what I did and just stare the nurse directly in the eyes. <laughs> Intimidate doing. them. 
She was like, are you okay? And I was like, I am fine. <laughs> Sorry, continue, continue with your So with your whatever way here. that works for you, um, have it be known that you can definitely do that at the doctor's office. Um, they're not required to weigh you. Um, but in your own home, when people like myself fall into the temptations of weighing yourself, smash the scale, throw it out. If it's not yours, but a family member's, put it where they have access to it, but you don't. Whatever. Ask them to hide it. Yeah, hide it. Oh, yeah. I've definitely had my parents hide things that I've used to fuel my eating disorder. Yeah, for sure. So that can be helpful because I just like think the bottom line is that the more that you kind of fixate on like how your food intake or your exercise or your symptom use is affecting your weight the more kind of like confused you're going to be about this whole set point thing and like where your body's most happy. It's just like, let your body be Mm -hmm. um, and it'll figure it itself out. And you don't necessarily need to know like, oh, my set point range is this number to this number. Because it will change all the time. It could change tomorrow. Who knows? Um, Who knows? But yeah. So don't drive yourself crazy with that i think another thing that's helpful is like trying to practice body acceptance or body neutrality Mm -hmm. so like think about what your body can do for you in this moment or what do you hope that it can do for you the farther along in your recovery journey you get over this whole like what does it look like right Maybe you can say some positive affirmations to your body. Stick those cute little sticky notes up on your mirror with positive affirmations. Um, Wearing comfortable clothes. I was going to say also, like, don't just keep clothes because you think, like, oh, when I'm Mm -hmm. at my set point. Like, just buy clothes that fit you and then, like, do it sustainably. Go to the thrift Mm -hmm. store. Yeah, for sure. Or Shein.com if you want to be a capitalist like me i don't know if that's the most ethical (laughs) place to shop but that is for a no a different conversation if your body's changing a lot though yeah well it's pretty cheap mm -hmm. that was always like my biggest fear is like okay well i don't know if my weight's gonna go up or down or whatever whatever so then i would like I guess kind of bully myself out of buying new clothes because I'd be like well it doesn't matter because it's not going to fit in two months or whatever and then I would just like wear yeah. the same one pair of sweatpants I remember those I know exactly which pants you're <laughs> well I got a new pair of them <laughs> my new new favorite one pair of sweatpants that okay. I wear but yeah so we, we Gianna and I certify right now you have permission to buy yourself clothes that fit. So if you can't give yourself permission, yeah. this is our verbal permission Get to you. Get comfy. Um, and yeah, like the last thing that I kind of wrote down is just consistent nourishment. Because like, like mm-hmm. I said earlier, I've dealt with three years, I guess, of being over the quote-unquote safe weight doctors deemed for me. Um, and the more that I've worked on consistently nourishing myself the more habituated my anxiety Mm -hmm. over gaining weight or having my weight change or whatever has become you know yeah so I feel like Mm -hmm. while that's definitely like one of those things to like always work on it's definitely the big things I feel like I've heard other people kind of say the same thing like people that do like the quote-unquote all-in process like that unconditional permission to just nourish and nourish fully every single day ultimately kind of starts to reduce the you know kind of scariness of gaining weight because like you're not to talk about it from like a psychological standpoint right you're not engaging in those avoidant kind of behaviors of like oh gaining Mm -hmm. weight is scary or my weight changing is scary, so I'm just going to avoid it by engaging in symptoms and control things or whatever, right? Um, So the more that you can challenge yourself to keep doing what you have to do every single day, 
eventually your anxiety response has to go down because you're not being caught in this loop where it's like, I'm decreasing my anxiety by avoiding it, but it goes right back up as soon as I stop avoiding it. You know what I mean? You're just kind of getting through that emotional hump every single time. Um, So I really think that like helps. You can do it. Yeah. You got it, everybody. Anything else you can think of, G? Um, no. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Goodbye. Goodbye. Oh, wait. I'm Gianna again. You can find me on Instagram at Gianna Bartolini. You can find Marie at Elsa Uh, underscore... Underscore Marie. Marie. With three A's and Elsa. Or you can find our podcast on Instagram as well at zero from the box. You can DM us any questions you may have. I noticed that on our Instagram we're getting a lot of our younger followers who are really just starting the recovery process. So if any of you are listening, good luck. One of you only speaks Spanish. Buena suerte. You probably did not listen to the podcast. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you soon. Bye.